0: To the good the welcome to the good life, the wait welcome to the good life, and after all this talk, all I gotta say is, welcome
1: to the good life, you're welcome, you're all welcome,
0: like we always do with What is up everybody, this is Gratitude Unfiltered, and I am your host, Joshua T. Welcome, good evening everybody, how's everyone doing? Oh, man, I am, uh, I'm really excited about tonight um, because I don't know a lot about our guest. I just know the group of people he hangs around. And I didn't spend any time reading his bio, which I'm going to share a little bit. It's, it was long and like, wow, this dude's accomplished. And he's got a lot going on. So I just want to have the element of surprise happen tonight. But I want to give a shout out really quick to the radio audience. Um, thank you, podcast audience, Facebook and YouTube. And of course, PSTV. Uh, so blessed over the weekend to have the opportunity to interview Molly Trotter, um, who talked about being an alpha female, um, and it was pretty profound. Um, started off a little rocky on my part, getting used to a new environment and recording with different cameras and all of that stuff, but man what a story and what a powerful human being she is um i'm really excited to see what she does in the world uh her podcast it's bigger than me is has been amazing so far um we're actually going to record another episode tomorrow to discuss something new and um i think it'll be a lot of fun but it's on her show and um i'm really excited for it but it was I was just so grateful to be back in san diego where the show started to be back in san diego where um this i mean literally the it this all came to fruition td jakes the whole bit and so i'm really it was just it's a blessing to be back there i'd love i love that city a lot and i love all the people that i met and became friends with there and man san diego is a blessing it's it's always hard to not want to go back um lately so i've been doing a lot of writing lately and um exploring new ideas and trying to have a like a deeper connection with god and the reason is because i really feel like by removing these things that have been holding me back i'm starting to see breakthrough and breakthrough and breakthrough and breakthrough and it's it's got me really excited and i feel amen tom i feel like the more time I'm spending with God, the more I feel connected, the more I'm aware of the things that are getting in my way to remove and it's it's changing my life, and it's really amazing to uh, to be experiencing this, but I'm diving deeper and i'm I want to know more um, and I want to grow because man, if I can teach other people to do to turn to turn their life around you know, I'm not, how do I say this? Um, Having the opportunity to turn their, like to turn their life around and have this blueprint that worked, especially with people that have similar past as I do. And like being able to overcome and break through these obstacles, these things that just held us back. And, and this, this is proving to work. And I'm just really interested to see what the, you know, what this journey is going to look like over the next few months. And it's just been a blessing to experience because, having the opportunity to reframe the like to, to, to reframe like when life feels like it's happening to you being able to reframe this and go yeah I know this is happening for me I know this right here this obstacle this closed door that's closed for a reason it's closed for a reason because there's something that I'm it's, I'm supposed to have or maybe it's a you know, potential relationship and you're, you know, you really dig the person, but then it, it fades away. You know, I'm just speaking examples that maybe you're, you're dealing with and, like, you're heartbroken because you really like somebody, but it wasn't the right fit. But God's got something better for you. Like being able just to know that and, you know, a failed business opportunity. No. Sometimes there's a, something better waiting for you. Or, or there's a lesson to learn. But either way, it's a huge positive. It's a huge positive. All right, so I'm, I'm not ready. I wanna read my notes to you on a different show. I've gone on too long. Born and raised in Jackson Hole, Andrew, Andrew Shorts was brought up in a community built around skiing, athleticism, and partying. Andrew recognized at a young age he had an unrelenting passion for skiing, skateboarding, music, and art. This is gonna be awesome. Through his adolescence, he pursued competitive skiing and skateboarding, making podium and taking gold medals in local, regional, and national events. When he wasn't skiing or skateboarding, he was painting and starting to build a name as an artist in the art scene of Jackson Hole, signing all of his works as, I think it's wise. Please forgive me if I got that wrong, I'll let you fix it. Listen guys, this bio is amazing. Um, It will be in the notes, it's in it's also in the profile for you guys to read at the description of the show this dude this is this is going to be awesome so let's uh let's bring andrew shorts into the show welcome my man where'd your sound go did i fix it yeah you fixed it all right cool okay, cool welcome to the show man thank you very much thank you for having me yeah that's a I, I scanned through the bio and I'm like you know what I just want to get into this. It's, yeah. It's,
1: and I gave you I gave you more than
0: you needed. So it's no. But I, I got to tell you, man, this is uh, fascinating. So I want to ask you uh, for, uh, the, the second question I'm going to ask you is, do you just disp- I want you to explain the artistry of, of snowboarding or skiing? I'm sorry, skiing. Yes. Um, but first things first, I'd love to know what you're grateful for today.
1: Today, I am grateful for finding balance um it's it's probably my biggest weakness but when i do it um it's there's just uh, i think in my life and in the world around me it's hard to find solace but when there's balance between the many things that i have going on um i find solace and there's when you know solace and when you've experienced the opposite of it um there's it, there's nothing like it it's it's such a serene tranquil um divine feeling and so I'm not the best at balancing, but I'm grateful for when I find it or when I
0: give it my best. Have you discovered how you find it?
1: Um, some of it, yes, it's a balance, I think, between being selfish and being selfless is the biggest thing, as as ridiculous as that sounds, because sometimes um, being balanced is taking me time because I work a lot and I spend a lot of time taking care of my daughter and a lot of time um, doing things with my wife, which is great for me, but sometimes I need me time and I'm bad about that. And there's other times where I, uh, I put the blinders on and I focus so much on work and I need to be selfless and stop worrying so much about who, what I'm doing uh, work-wise and, and worry about about my uh, my clan, my family. So um, it's a I, uh, I, I don't know how I found it. Like I said, I just kind of get nuggets of it here and there, but I think it's a balance of being selfish and
0: selfless. One of my—I forgot who what friend it was uh, of mine. He's a motivational speaker, Ted um, Gilman, I forgot his name. He he schedules every thirty minutes of his day, including playing with his kids, phone calls. Like he has everything scheduled.
1: I and- yeah, I've uh, I I don't I don't know if this is the person you're talking about, but I listened to a podcast podcast with um, Rob Deerdeck, and that's basically how he is. And I find that super fascinating. I do that sometimes when I'm feeling really overwhelmed. It helps me a lot. Um, I do that more during crunch times when I've got deadlines coming up or when I'm just, I've got a lot on the plate, but I'm more or less, I've started doing a daily list and almost every list that I do is um, including things that aren't just work related. You know what I mean? It's like, I need to do this. I want to put the baby down tonight instead of having my wife do it or this and that. And I'm going to cook dinner tonight. And I've on and off worked off of like an Excel spreadsheet calendar weekly. It's just the same rhythm every week. That way I can kind of try to find balance there. So sometimes I take a more structured approach and sometimes I go for more of what feels right and what feels natural. But yeah, sometimes it does come down to giving yourself 30 minutes at this time to make sure that you get what you need throughout the day and make sure that everyone else gets what they need.
0: Yeah. I um. So I want to talk about the time, so going back to your days and, and skiing, partying, like all of that stuff, you yeah. you're in that scene. How how do you manage like getting out of it? Because it's one of the most when you're in that when you have a sport that affords you the ability to still party. It's a lot of fun because there's there's girls there's you know just there's it's it's a it's a party it's 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 a frat house it's insane. That's it. If you live in a beach city, it's like that. Like, how do you, how do you escape it? Because I can tell you that I had a hard enough time stopping partying in Oklahoma, which I didn't really stop. But I mean, there was with, and when I started moving to beach cities, oh my gosh, like it's, it's, it's the whole experience that becomes addicting. It's not just the party. Like, how do you shake that?
1: Um, yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, the ski community is notoriously pretty party oriented. So, um just like i think beach cities and beach communities it's like you can find parties no matter what hour of the day no matter what day of the week sure. so it, like you said it does it, it can be really tempting to just be to be socked into that full time the biggest re- way that i got away from it was um i think fear as 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 dark and unfortunate as that sounds um it i started to obviously, you know, with addiction comes a sense of emptiness, a sense of not belonging. Uh, A lot of things come with that. And I think, um, you know, I was, I was, fortunately I was stopped by the law. (laughs) So I got taken out of that life for me and I had to spend a couple months in jail and I was in and out of jail for years before that. So it wasn't a one-off event. Um, but once I got out and realized that if I didn't toe the line, for at least a little while, I was going to prison and they were looking at putting 20 years on me and I was not even 20 years old. So it was kind of like, okay, I'll take you seriously. Uh, Oh, I was selling drugs. I was a, I was, I, yeah, I did a lot of things.
0: Well, you want to talk about it?
1: Yeah, let's, I mean, um, so I dabbled. I mean, I'll, I'll give you, tell me if I'm getting off track. I'll stop me if I, if I'm, I'm rambling. Okay. Um, so I, my drugs of choice, I was what I, what we consider in, in, the recovery community, what we call a dumpster junkie, which means if you got it, I'll do it. If I haven't done it, I'll try it. I'm, I'm pretty open-minded that way. <laughs> um, and, but my drugs of choice were ones that I, I, I liked being functional still. Um, so I liked cocaine. I liked alcohol. I liked marijuana and I loved hallucinogens because it really took me somewhere else other than the present moment um a lot of those are more or less you're in the present moment you're just in a different state of that um i loved hallucinogens because they they took me somewhere else i felt like i was not here most of the time you know i was still interacting with people it wasn't you know it's not like fear and loathing where you're just in a different dimension but it was um i i, I was completely out of my head and i loved that but it's not very functional so those are my drugs of choice but i um uh, i came up as uh, Jesus that sounds bad. Um, I really started to ramp up my poor life decisions during the rise of heroin and I tried it a couple times but as soon as I touched it so I you know kind of was around it for a while saw some people doing it they seemed to be having a good time. I started to the guy who I was using to get other drugs to sell um, like kind of the person I was going through with that Told me he had some and if i had anybody that needed to buy it he would sell it to me i could sell it to them obviously that means more money so i started to deal it eventually i tried it um i actually tried it one time by accident before that's a stupid story but um the second time i tried it willingly i <sighs> loved it um i'm a downer guy not necessarily an upper guy i i don't obviously that doesn't make sense because i liked cocaine but Um, That was mostly because i that was what I sold the most of. So I was just around that a lot. So I did it a lot. Um, It wasn't something that really like I was always itching for. It was just something I was perpetually around. Um, But the second time I tried heroin, I said, if I'm going to do this, and I was seeing people early on in the addiction because obviously, you know, you don't do heroin once and then end up on, you don't wake up in the street homeless and lose everything. It takes time. I was seeing people in the early phases of it. And I know that I always escalate things faster than most people. So, I tried it the second time and I said, if I do this again, I'm going to do it until I die. And um, I'm impressed at myself for having that um, transparency with myself because I was very suicidal and I was very depressed. So, something about that was appealing to me. I always approach things with a with a death wish. Um, and I didn't want to wake up the next day. I didn't want to live to see tomorrow. So that was really fascinating to me.
0: So, okay. We relate there, that sentence right there. When I partied, it got to the point where I was partying to die. Yeah. I didn't want to commit suicide, you know, in a traditional way. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go out in my brain like a rock star. So I would try to party myself to death. Mm -hmm. What's that about?
1: I don't know. I don't know if that has to do with. Uh, I, I have a hard time. I bounce between the idea that it has to do with the romanticism of it, because obviously some of our most respected pop culture. And I, you know, I never was like, oh, I'm famous. You know, when you want to go out like a rock star, you're not thinking you're a rock star. You just want to follow that path. But there is, yeah. as as sick as it sounds, you know, there's a romanticism oh, yeah. to it oh, yeah. when oh, yeah. someone dies um and and you know like kurt cobain everybody loves kurt cobain everybody adores him and will always always pay homage to him but he that's how he went out and i think there's a certain romanticism to that whether it's an ugly one or not i bounce between it being that and it just being um i don't know i'm attracted to chaos i love chaos i love having a million things going on at once i love having um All of these different I I love chaos and I love or I should I should say I loved chaos and I love darkness and those two, you know, partying until you die is a very chaotic, dark thing. And there's something um, beautiful about that to me. And, you know, obviously, I stray away from that. Now, Um, I found more beautiful things uh, in the meantime. But, you know, I just gravitated towards what I thought was beautiful, even though it's really dark in its own way. What do you think?
0: Well, I've never had an opinion on it because I didn't know. I talk about it on the show a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes up in like in conversation, like you got to that point that I was every time I partied, it was to die. And here I'm hearing you say it. I could never think of why. I just I didn't think anyone else. I, I know other people were like that, but I wasn't getting any feedback. You're the first person that I've spoken to that is actually had the same mindset. And I don't know what it's about. I mean, I'm kind of, I do have an artistic brain. I mean, I can't play any musicians and my paintings suck, but I mean, like, I, I do think I have more of an artistic brain. And, but I, I, I didn't, I don't think if I, I, no, if anything, I felt, I was just like, what, no one's going to show up at my funeral and people are going to say, if they ever mention me, it's going to be, he had so much potential and he blew it all.
1: Yes. That is, that's it. A hundred percent. And I, one of the, um, I want to quote myself. Am I allowed to curse?
0: Yeah, you can. It's fine.
1: Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I will I'll try not to too much, but one thing I <laughs> distinctly remember is, um, you know, I had a lot of people in my corner that cared about me and I'm very grateful for them. a lot of them are still in the picture today, but, um, you know, despite how, you knowing how much someone cares about you, like I said, I wanted to, I, I was lost in thought. I was lost in emotion. I was lost in a very dark place. And I remember distinctly, and my mom has, we've, we've talked about it since then, but I remember one time, you know, when I was really, cause one of my favorite things to do when I was using wasn't like, oh, we're going to do a bunch of Coke tonight, or we're going to drink until we throw up tonight. I was like, let's see how many chemicals I can fit in my body. I want to mix. I want to see what happens when these things come together, knowing full well that like Mixing up and downers is practically suicide. But I remember one night texting my mom at the peak of my high because, you know, I, when I got that dark of a place, even if I'm using around people, I isolate. So, you know what I mean? I consume all these drugs with people. Everybody else is out having fun. Um, and I'm, I lock myself away because, you know, the way I party, I don't know why people invite me back or invited me back every time. But anyway, so I remember locking myself away one time. On this roller coaster and i texted my mom and i said what if i'm gone what the fuck are you going to think then and i wasn't mad at her it's just i wanted people to i i'm curious what people would think if i was gone if i wasn't here anymore what would it be like without me would it matter could it matter in the future like you said if i throw away this potential what's going to happen um and i just i had a very like i said i wanted to die alone in these lost thoughts that i was having
0: You know, I, I, I used to get in trouble a lot and I would kind of hit a wall big enough and I was just and right when I was really, really down and felt myself going further down, I would get a vision of what was possible. Mm-hmm. Very similar to the very first vision I got when I was seven. But the, the difference was it got to a point when I was when, when I shifted to where I just was partying to die. There was no more visions. there was nothing except yeah. i 'm just now consumed by this darkness that 's got a hold of me, and it took I swear to you it took this like nothing happens on accident. I swear to you i 'm going to i 'm going into jail and I tell them I have HIV thinking that they will give me special attention no it didn 't work that way. Um, <laughs> like the psych ward, whatever, like I'm in isolation, right? This This small cell in isolation, all I can hear are the maddening screams next to me, but I can't see or talk to anybody unless I want to start screaming. Yeah. It took until a second day in me screaming at God when I'm finally alone, no distractions, nowhere to go, nowhere to hide, no substances used, nothing. I'm now, God's got me where he wants me, alone and isolated without any distractions. And the this, this story is now well-versed, but that is when I had my moment with God and I s- surrendered my life to Christ. That's when I, everything changed for me. But it took all of that t- to get alone, to be able to hear or to see, hey, there's a better life out there for you. Because God knows I sure lost that belief for a long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's that, yeah, there's a sense of like... Um, deprivation and that's what i think that's when it really hits you because um like i said when i my favorite drugs were hallucinogens because it took me to such a place other than where i was i would do anything to get out of my head basically and um i think those moments of transparency where you really like you prostrate yourself to something whether it be you know god and and In Christ or whether you prostrate yourself to any truly um, like naked process where you have to be naked and you have to be raw and you have to be denied any any other sensory you have to fully surrender to that and really literally prostrate yourself to it those moments of transparency are I think where to answer your question or where that transformation comes where you start to see
0: a way out where you start to remove yourself from something that can be intoxicating. Yeah, you know, it's a slippery slope. I think I understand what you're saying. It it is a slippery slope. I've had, like, just this last week, friendships that were becoming, like, massive triggers for me, and they were sneaky triggers. Mm -hmm. Like, the way it just caught me by surprise. Like, I have a very thin line that I get to walk in becoming this man that I feel led to become and who, who I feel like God's calling me to be. But I'm walking a fine line of... I can slip easy and it's sneaky. And that's why I have to be so diligent because I don't want to go back to that life at all. But I have to be diligent about my time alone with God and my quiet time and like constantly seeking and being aware and being present enough to go, yeah, this is going to take you down a dark path. You don't want to do that. Like having that opportunity has been, has been life changing. And I'm, I'm fortunate because I don't have the crazy schedule that other people have. So it affords me that, that time. But I, if I don't spend that time, I'm really, really, really close to falling off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a, yeah, it's a constant maintenance. And like, I, like I said, with the whole prostrating thing, you really have to, you have to stay dedicated to it. And that's the thing, you know, it's like, I am recovering. I did not recover This is a continuous process. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you have to really, whether it be boundaries or whether it's removing yourself from triggers, like I said, you have to stay true to this process because if you stop applying it the day that, if you stop applying it as hard as you did that day in jail, when you first made your connection with God, then the second you stop chasing it that hard, um, the second that second you can either be right back where you were or on a slippery slope. That's really hard to get off
0: of on your way back. So uh, you're, you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) It's, 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 it's necessary. It's a must. Absolutely. Um, And I think that's why, And what I've really found, like, do you, like, I know that you do some lives. I, I I don't, I, I wonder if this is the same experience for you. This outlet, this show, or when I do a live or a post, like that is, I'm trying to hold myself accountable too. There's an element of like, hey, I think this can help someone. I'm holding myself accountable too, and like, and the, these, or also, it's been a great therapy to be able to come and express vulnerabilities and struggles and like, going, look, I am a man of God, but <laughs> that doesn't mean the dark side doesn't come calling all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't,
0: I don't give into it. but it's there. It doesn't go away. You know, I mean, it's work, but have you noticed that coming on and doing lives and just being vulnerable has kind of helped you like remove some of those obstacles in your way? Yeah. Um,
1: and it's, yes, it's very, I think it creates, um, it's, it's a, it's a forced transparency or transparency. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, where you know if i only post and and not to like plug myself but if i only post my art all of a sudden it's not me anymore and and there's people like that who only post the coolest stuff on instagram it's all this like oh i went on vacation oh i did this oh my gosh i got like money or i got a new car i whatever and and i'm guilty of that stuff sometimes and i do try to present a, a, a package because i do try to make something that's aesthetically pleasing and try to make something interesting and obviously some of that is is necessary when it comes to to sharing with your audience and trying to bring people in so you can share your message but um like you said it's it there's you you you're accountable when you're live streaming because i'm not bob ross where every 30 minutes i crank out a beautiful painting or i'm not you know, uh, a millionaire who can just, who's like, Hey, Facebook live, I'm in Fiji. What's up? Just decided to come here. I don't, I can't You know what I mean. I'm in my basement. Um, but one of the coolest parts about live for me is I've met a, I unknowingly throughout all of my years doing skateboarding, skiing, music, art, whatever recovery. I've made a lot of friends. I didn't realize how much I was networking. I thought I was just crossing paths with cool people and that's exactly what networking is. Um, but There's, you know, and I've I made a lot of friends and a lot of them I know on Facebook. So live is an opportunity for me to connect with people that I haven't connected with in years, and it's not because I don't care about them, but it's an opportunity for them to come say hi. They get to see what I'm doing and a day in the life because. You know, when an art piece is finished, it's cool. But the process going up to that is a very grueling, slow, unexciting process. And it's a cool opportunity for me to connect with people. And I think one of the best ways for me to find connection to the world and to the universe and to God is through connecting with other people. Because um, my natural disposition when I'm working too hard or when I was using My natural disposition is to disconnect so hard that you can't reach me if you tried. Like I said, you know what I mean? I'll take all the drugs with you guys. I'll sell them to you. I'll do whatever. I'll come roll you a joint or whatever you need. But in the end of the night, I'm in here wondering why why I'm still here. You know what I mean? And that's my natural disposition. So I have to fight that and I have to connect with people and interact with people. And live gives you the opportunity to do that. Um with a certain candid transparency that you can't get through um writing a neat little Instagram post.
0: I've I've found, you know, that's another thing too. It's I've been amazed with how many like real friendships that have developed off of Facebook. Oh yeah. And uh not to people that are like minded, have the same values. It's it's kind of amazing. Uh Oh you there? Can you not hear me? You there? Are we good? No, I can't. Okay. Cool. Yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's fine. Um, no, I agree with you. And just, yeah, you meet the coolest people on the internet, as, as bad as that sounds or as simple as that sounds. This is a off-bar thing, but I play Xbox. Two of my best friends now are people that I've never actually met in person. And that's kind of weird and kind of quirky and kind of nerdy. But... Every single day, we check up on each other, and I've we've helped each other through some hard times over the past year, or two years, or however. It's when you meet special people, you you know it. There's no question.
0: Yeah, that's it's 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 been terrific, and I it's motivated me to want to travel even more. Yeah, um, so many amazing people. Like I'm obsessed with going to London and Australia, um, even Tokyo. Like I mean, these are cities that I've been like meeting people and becoming friends with, and it'd be like, how fun would this be? And, and typically, especially when someone does lives, you get an idea of what their personality's like. And unless us they're just showing off. The showing off stuff, uh, scratch that. But like if someone's doing a, like just what you know is a genuine live, when you meet them in person, it's typically like, yeah, you're the same person. feels like I've known you my whole life. How cool. Yeah. I love that. Especially like when we met at, at New Dawn. Mm-hmm. Half those people I knew from online only, and then it's the best people ever. Like shout out to a, a new Don 501 C3. Yes. <laughs> so um but yeah, it's it I think it's been terrific. So I want to ask you what which of all of the talents and the things that you're doing right now, what would you say has been? the one that your addiction feeds into the mud, the most, like you express your addiction, the pain from your, the addiction. What is the one that you express the pain from the addiction through?
1: Um, skiing a hundred percent, um, or expressing the one that it, okay. Maybe not art. I think is where I express myself the most. Skiing is the one where it comes out the most, <laughs> um, because, oh, cool. um, skiing is I, I ski professionally, competitively, whatever. Um, I'm not like a racer. I don't like do the slaloms. I do big mountain competition. So I jump off like 80 foot cliffs. Um, and so it's like an adrenaline thing and it's a death wish thing. And it was another opportunity for me to chase death while doing something that took me out of my head.
0: Um, but it's and, funny because it's true, because I get it.
1: Yeah, um, and and I've slowed down. I still ski a lot, but I don't, I've, I've Dropped the elevation of cliffs that I jump off significantly. Cause then now I got a little kid. I gotta, I gotta be around for it, and like, there's people who count on me and love me and stuff like that. So I guess I gotta be responsible, but
0: uh. you do have that. yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but I think art's where I get to express myself. It's such a, like I said, it's, you know, the masterpiece at the end um, is cool, but the whole process is very cathartic for me. There's the way I make my art. There's a lot of stages to it that I can identify very easily. And there's, I typically have more than one project going at a time. And there's certain processes where it's like, I need to get out of my head. I need paint in my hands. If I just need a break and I need to be selfish, I need paint in my hands. I need to be actually creating. If I'm trying to make a tough decision, or if I'm trying to figure something out or look forward to something or just kind of work through things in a more mechanical way, I work on stencils and stencils are any painting you've seen me do like the spray paintings that not like the murals, but like things that don't look like spray paint, but are spray paint are a hundred hours of work before the paint comes out. So that being said, I have a lot of time to work through stuff and it gives me time to toss ideas around in my head and, and things like that.
0: Okay. Let me ask you something. Mm -hmm. So I love that answer, by the way, that was really cool. Cause I didn't know because the skiing thing, you know, there's some aggression there. There's an art to it, but then there's the art that you're doing. I just, I didn't know what outlet because I have a release for mm-hmm. my past stuff. It's this, mm-hmm. and this is what I pour everything out of, and that gets that nasty stuff out or the stuff that's kind of like trying to hang around. So, yeah, I, I love your answer. Um, if you could do anything a hundred percent of the time, what would it be?
1: Oh, I don't know if I want to do anything 100% of the time. <laughs> like I told you, I'm grateful I'm grateful for balance. That doesn't sound balanced to me.
0: I don't know. I mean, but I I just like the thing that what is what is this thing that you're probably the most passionate about or is there a new project that's lurking in the back of your head and you're going, "Yeah, I got to I'm going to birth this baby." Like what is that?
1: um I think it's my stencil pieces it's it's the root of my art and it's something like when I started to really get into addiction painting went by the wayside when I got clean had no desire to paint as I got into recovery there's a difference between being clean and being in recovery sure. I'm sure you understand that as someone who's kind of gotten away from parting there's a difference between being sober and working towards something productive um i didn't paint for almost five years literally i probably sketched a couple of times like five but i did not create art for almost five years um and when i came back it felt like i was um tapping into that potential that i was so comfortable throwing away a couple of years ago um and these pieces that i do this the stencil pieces maybe at the end i'll pull up a stencil just so you can see what it looks like oh. if you're willing to have that um sure uh, dude. Yeah. Absolutely. And like I said, just because I can break it up into so many chapters and it comes together so well and I I this sounds really egotistical. I mean this in a very from a humble place, but I can make almost anything happen if I try and focus hard enough. It's not to say that I can do anything I want. I'm just saying when I really dedicate myself to it, I feel most comfortable and confident that I can make a picture look special here.
0: You're you're a creative visionary, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you get the, visions too? That's a really
1: cool title. I'm going to use that from now on. I like that.
0: Well, that's what it would be called. Are you, yeah. do you, do you get visions or you just get like what?
1: Yeah, it it really does. It starts out as a vision and I, and then I have to, like I said, I work a hundred hours before I even put paint down. And the funny thing about my stencils and the way they layer, cause like I have a piece right here that was 12 layers of stencils and um Even at layer 10, I thought I ruined my painting. I was like, I I don't know what I did. I botched it. This is garbage. I can't believe this. I spent 120 hours doing this, ignoring everything else, like, you know, neglecting my family and neglecting responsibilities and losing sleep over it. And I ruined it. And then the last two layers, I pull them off after I've spray painted, after I've done all this work, and it comes together and I... It, you know it's it's a very emotional process and i think did you almost
0: st- throw up cry what did you almost throw up cry yeah <laughs> you know what because i felt that in my stomach like want to come out of me because yeah. i can imagine the excitement because you 200 hours you said yeah 200 hours of work going into before you do paint and then to have it go oh my gosh i screwed this up but then have it come through that's amazing
1: it, it's literally i think it's like um you were talking before you brought me onto the podcast but on this podcast you were saying you have to like when you lose when a relationship doesn't work out or when a business um endeavor doesn't work out and and you know god has something better for you that's literally it is i have to trust the process i've got this process more or less to a science to some degree um things still go wrong things still don't work out all the time. But for the most part, I have to sit at layer 10, pulling it off and seeing just colors not come together. And I have to say, this is a process. I have to trust it. I have to keep believing. And this one that I'm talking about, that was 12 layers. That was almost 200 hours worth of work. Um, it, it just, yeah, it, I had to trust the process and I had to believe. And when I was painting it the first time, I was up till two in the morning painting it. I got to layer 10. I said, I ruined it. I painted over it. I primed it again. I said, I'll try again tomorrow. I literally restarted. I mean, the stencils are still fine, but like I like I said, I, I painted that colorful canvas white again because I was so frustrated. I said, I ruined it. I don't know what I did wrong. I'll try again tomorrow. I tried again tomorrow, layer 10. It looked the exact same. I said, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to put the other two on and see how it turns out. And it was everything that it should have been. I just didn't trust the process. <laughs> and in that, you know, I find a lot of lessons in creating art that apply to my life as far as trusting the process and having faith and in, in being diligent and patient and focused and precise and content and grateful. If I stay that way, great things happen. If I lose sight of that, then um, I can find myself in precarious positions. So I try to, everything I learned from this craft that I've, I've dedicated myself to. I try to apply to my life and it has yet to do me wrong.
0: I want to I so I I want to do something with you. Um I'm trying this out. I I've okay. never done this on the show before, but I I did it on the recording for the when I interviewed Molly Trotter on on Saturday. Okay. We um I tried this and it was interesting. I've seen it done before, so I'm not coming up with this idea. I've seen it done before, but I'm curious about it, so I want to play word association with you.
1: Okay, this is fun. I'm
0: excited. Are you okay? Cool. Surrender.
1: Uh, Guns.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This first thing. (laughs) Wow. Well, you can. If you want to elaborate, you can.
1: I, I, I've been arrested a couple times. There's
0: not much more to it than that. <laughs> we got okay. So listen, hold on. I want to. I want to stay on this for a second. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to find a way to retrain what that word means for you. Yeah, I do. Because no, okay. Oh, I want to relate. Can I? Can I like share something? Please do. Okay. So. <laughs> I have old triggers like locations, like I, there's certain places that I can be that can, can be a trigger for me or certain music. And like I have to, I had to break through that stuff and like prove that I wouldn't succumb to the trigger. So when I've talked about retraining my triggers, it's going places that normally would cause me trouble or be the slippery slope because I can't avoid it forever. So I've got to be around it and retraining my trigger. Like that has been something that, like I've had to go visit that to heal it, mm-hmm. to overcome it. I want you to do that because I'm telling you, I'm, gonna, I'm giving you this advice because of this. This is why I said all of that. I think you're one of the, you're brilliantly talented. Like you are a gifted, gifted human being that gets to do amazing things. You're already doing amazing things in the world, but like, dude, like you have such a higher level to go and I will tell you the best advice that I've ever been given in my life, learn the practice of surrender and it just everything transforms. It doesn't mean that surrender you're done. It doesn't mean that, but it's like the it, it, it's when you finally kind of become a little bit more free mm-hmm. and things just come to you easier and better and smoothly and more it feels like it's divine and it feels like it's (laughs) like oh the stars aligned that's what it feels like with the practice of surrender so i would love to see you reframe that because i think that you have some next level abilities and i'd love to see you get there because would you you know, not-
1: there's a lot of sur- surrendering in the recovery programs that I practice but I think it's a it's a consistent thing and it's probably the thing I have the hardest time with cuz like I said I'm bad at trusting processes so I you're 100% right
0: well I don't, I don't I hate to give unsolicited advice but I was going to talk about surrender today anyway <laughs> so and I just I just want to make it clear that that is the one thing that we're all trying to do is just control too much. Mm-hmm. And surrender is a truly, it's a, it's, it's a, people talk about gratitude. The show's called Gratitude Unfiltered. <laughs> but I get it. Gratitude is massively important. But I'm starting to believe that surrender is even more important than gratitude <laughs> because it, it changes everything.
1: It's- so. I have a switch in my brain. I don't quite understand it yet, but there's times where I surrender to things so comfortably and my wife does not. Um, (laughs) And there's things like, you know, she we're like unknowns on question marks. She freaks out and I'm like, it's okay. We'll know eventually. We're just not supposed to know right now. And that's fine with me, but it's not fine with her. But it's more like when there's information that I don't like where all of a sudden I am unable to surrender. And I say, I'm taking control of this. I'm forcing it my way. And that's how I ran my life up until I found recovery. So I know that it doesn't work, but I, like you said, I think, and surrender is a constant process too. Um, it's not a, you don't surrender once you don't surrender. You don't surrender X amount of times and then you fully surrendered. It's just like recovery. You keep doing it day
0: in and day out until your heart stops beating. Yeah. You build your armor because life happens. Yeah. Um, you know, that's interesting. I've, one area that I've failed um, in my relation I mean there's been a lot of areas in relationships that I failed, um, but the one that I get to fix that going in when I finally decide to date and open that like I, I'm it, when that happens the one thing that I know that is so critical outside of praying together because I'm the big proponent of praying together um, but being on the same walk matters because when you have one person that's practicing surrender and the other one's just like ah and doesn't respect like the practice of that or a discipline or a more a quiet time or whatever. Like when your partner's not in line with you on that, it can make things hard because some the the language you're speaking, the way you be, the way you show up, your energy, all of that is off. And I yeah, see it being friction. a massive problem in like part of the reason why so many relationships fail. I'm not telling you that your relationship's gonna fail by the way I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm just saying it I find it interesting that you know that's one an area of of struggle and concern going to, in relationships is when you're not on the same path together yeah
1: we uh yeah it well it creates friction when you can't um. When you can't meet on that common ground, is is it, it when one person's walking one path and another person's walking another path, it literally creates friction, and too much friction creates fire. Um, the best thing is, is like I said, since we are um, two peas in a pod, as far as we have a hard time surrendering, but we surrender in different situations easier, which means one of us is always there to hold the other's hand. and to, and to balance each other. You know what I mean? When it comes to, I, I'm okay with the unknown. I'm okay with question marks about the future, about finances, about, um, you know, our home or something like that. Or, you know, when we're looking to resign our lease or something, I'm okay with it. We'll figure it out. We always have, and we always will. And she's not okay with that. And then when it comes to things I don't like, um, she's like, Oh, it's a shitty situation. We're going to make the most of it. And I'm like, no, we're going to change it. Um, and she helps bring me back to a healthy place. It's not a friction. It's a, it's an opportunity for us to, to lead each other and to guide each other and to grow together. Um, and you know, her strengths offset my weaknesses and my strengths offset her weaknesses. And we found a really good way to, to teach and grow from each other, which I think is important. So I, but like you said, when, when there's that unwillingness to have that very specific thing, it creates such an immense friction. And that's why I think divorces happen over the dumbest arguments is because not to, say that, not to say that divorce is an easy. I'm not saying it's a dumb thing or something like that. I'm just saying oftentimes it's the friction gets so immense over something so small when you're not willing to budge and you're fighting on your side and not willing to let, let someone who cares about you and love you say, let me take you over to this side for a moment. I just want you to see both sides.
0: It's we're trading wisdom here. What's up?
1: I said I feel like we're trading wisdom.
0: Yeah, I know. That one made me sit down for a second. <laughs> I, I, I I love that because and that's the beauty too, I think of like for the audience that's listening, that's the beauty of sharing like what's on your heart and mm-hmm. where you're at and being vulnerable about it. Because honestly, if Andrew wouldn't have opened up and started talking the way he did we wouldn't be, this conversation has not, I mean, it's really gone some interesting places because of you opening up mm-hmm. and and being able to share experiences and like what's worked for you, what's not, like that's how we improve as a human race. Like as, as, as mankind, it's being true, it's being honest, it's being vulnerable, sharing your, what's on your heart, not being a whiny baby, but expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. Be who you be and who you be and then you find your tribe, you find your people, and then you're able to support each other and lift each other up and learn and grow what's working, what's not. That's how we evolve. So I, I love this and I'm so grateful that you that you opened up and you were so vulnerable at the beginning. I, I, I really appreciate that.
1: Well, yeah, thank you. And that's, um, I'm, I'm addressing you, but I'm also addressing your audience right now. Um, one of the, so I, just so people know, we met at the new Dawn um, fundraising event, um, several months ago. Um, I shook your hand briefly. Um, but it, you know, I reached out to you afterwards, but I, Josh was the host. He was this incredible energy, energetic, loving, compassionate, charismatic, but transparently it wasn't a TV host. There's a difference. I've seen TV hosts where they come on and they, suit up and they carry this persona and they do not break it at all. And Josh was the most transparent host of anything that I'd ever seen. And I've watched a lot of TV. I have watched a lot of things that have been hosted and for someone to be so unapologetically them, but also Josh wasn't there for his thing. He wasn't there for gratitude unfiltered. He was there for new Dawn, and he presented something that I, you know, believe in, which is new Dawn and presented it and hosted it so well, and it wasn't even about him. And it was such an incredible balance of um, just being the right person for that kind of thing, whether he's fought hard to become that kind of, or to build those strengths in his character or whether you were just naturally born with it. I don't know, you tell me, but you did it so well and you did it so naturally. And that also transitioned into something that I find really inspiring about you and now that I've been following you on social media for a couple months is that same unapologetic thing goes towards your dreaming and your hopes. And it's not like, oh, I dream one day that I'll live on Mars. Like it's not stupid stuff. You have <laughs> dreams for the people that listen to you and you have dreams for the people that you surround yourself with in your personal life and the people on these on your podcast. And you have dreams for a gratitude unfiltered and, and acting and things like that. And all the things that you do and all the people you interact with, you have dreams there. But I think a lot of people just because of stigmatism stigmas that come on with social media and what the internet and the world is now which is like don't be a dreamer just buckle down and do your thing and uh, you can't like have a good life and enjoy it too um you know like all this stupid stigmas that come with it you don't even have to deny you just do what's true to you and you do it so unapologetically and you're a dreamer in the most beautiful way. And it's such an inspiring thing. And I'm very grateful that you're such an active member of social media. So that's what I love about Josh. I don't, your audience can say they agree with me or what they love about you, but those two things are what I found so fascinating and one stemmed from the other. And it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm just grateful to be here. And, and like I said, this conversation has been so great so far. Yeah, man, um,
0: I, I I'm humbled by your words, bro. Um, I, I thank you. I'm. <laughs> I to answer your question. When I started the show, that's what gave me the MC opportunities. I've never like I don't have any training on any of this stuff. I've just kind of figured it out or not figured it out. I just tried and was willing to fail because to your point, I do have big dreams. I've had big dreams. When people people that know me that were closer to me when I was younger would tell you that I was always a big dreamer and I would talk about my vision. I would always say, declare what I wanted to create in the world. I just wasn't willing to do the work and stay on the right path. And But <clears throat> now that I have a very clear vision and and I'm very focused and willing to pay the price and do whatever it takes, I feel like. If I'm aligned with God's purpose for my life, I get to make all of that happen. So I don't I don't say those things like I want to get that camera shop and turn it into a a studio. And and I want to have it be a safe place for kids to go and um, have an opportunity to express themselves and and have that safe place where they can feel important. They can feel like the people that are on TV and they can be important on a screen, you know, whatever, because we value the screen so much and whatever, but having a safe place for kids to be able to express themselves and and, and maybe make people aware of like what kids are thinking. So we know how to better support them. And also it will start to keep those secrets of being hurt. Like it'll get rid of them. And having that space is like, it's not just something I want to do in LA. I want to do it everywhere because Mm -hmm. I really believe that we can start to break the cycles of, You know, I don't know if you were abused, I don't know how you became an addict, like what fed into that. But like if we, I know the pain that I caused other people, like I know the pain that I caused them and the pain that I can't, the pain that I can't take back. I can't fix that. But what I can do is take all that crap that I did that happened to me and i can and i can teach other people how to be aware of these issues so that these mistakes don't happen again so it doesn't happen to your kids so it doesn't happen to you and 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 if you can break that cycle it's a ripple effect of pain that you stop instead you create a ripple effect of beauty and of healing and love and an acceptance and people just get to be themselves because people are so freaking terrified to speak their truth Mm -hmm. if I accomplish anything in my life like I just want people to know like no matter how ugly your past is no matter how bad it is you get you can if you can turn it around and you can use it to bring you joy you can use it for good you can switch your legacy your legacy can be the person that overcame the worst I'm gonna cuss the person that overcame the worst shit on the planet, like the, that, that person you are sitting there thinking to yourself right now that you're a victim and all this horrible crap happened to you. Well, guess what? It is part of God's promise that you get to turn all of that around and use it for good and ultimately bring you joy. And heck, you maybe have an awesome life and be known as the person that overcame a lot of hurt and a lot of pain, and you get to live in victory. It is God's promise that that is available for you. And if I accomplish anything on this planet, it's proving that to one person. Sorry, I had to go there.
1: I'm... (laughs) I'm so glad that you went there. Oh, It's you're like I said, you're speaking, you're in good company right now. And I don't mean that in a speak up way of myself, but I just mean that everything that you said rings so true to everything that I hope to become and everything that I believe.
0: Okay. (laughs) Sorry about that. Don't Um, don't be
1: sorry. There's no one here, either me or your audience, that didn't need that or
0: want that. (laughs) Man, have you ever wanted something so bad? Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say I wanted all that. All of these people, these law attraction people have me confused because I don't know if I say I want this so bad. If that makes it go away (laughs) like I'm ready to make this vision come true and I'm not going to stop until it does. I like it just, and it matters to me so much because I am I'm crazy enough to believe that it's actually going to help people.
1: Like I said, that's what I love though, is that you, you're a believer and you're a dreamer and you do it unapologetically. And it's the reason that you call yourself crazy for it is because the world it, is constantly trying to tell people not to, that they should not be passionate. Um, and that's, that's what I find beautiful is because I feel like it's so easy to, and, and, and I, I try to find the beauty in every person. I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's so easy to interact with people on a daily basis who are denying themselves and unconsciously denying others the opportunity to believe and to dream of something better, to believe in something more powerful, to believe in a higher purpose and everybody doing what they were, you know, put here to do. And, and people deny themselves that every day and it's tragic and it's frustrating and it's aggravating. And when you deny yourself something, you tend to deny other people of it too most of the time, especially when it's something important. So ta- that's why I, like you said, it's I, the second I heard you host and the second I started to follow you, I said, this guy believes and he dreams the way that we were born to and the way that we were placed on this planet to do, he does it the right way in a world that's saying, "Mm, get a job or like, (laughs) that sounds really bad. I think having a job is valuable. I'm just saying like, settle, settle for less, do something that most of people would find kind of respectable. Okay. But it's not going to really contribute to anything special when there's such, there's so much more to it than that. And I I refuse to live a life that earns you know, C is an average grade letter. I refuse to live a C grade life. I know not this time, not for me, because I'm, I'm either going where I'm supposed to be or I'm going to fucking die trying. And there's no in between for me. And I refuse to settle for C and that, and, and a, in my book is not what people think dreamers dream of. You know what I mean? It's not, fame. It's not wealth. It's the opportunity to do what I feel I was here to do. And that's to, and I mean, everything I've done from skiing to skateboarding, to, to art and to, to being a father, um, everything that I do and do with my heart and everything that brings me closer to God on a daily basis is, um, is going towards what I think I was put here to do, which is to show people a new, and more beautiful perspective. I show, I try to show my daughter and and she's not really at the comprehensive stage yet. She's only six months, but I try to show her something more new and more beautiful every day. And I, there is so much beauty and there's so much right in this world. And that's what I'm here to show her. And I try to show people something beautiful with my art. And I've tried to create beautiful things in my skiing as much as it's like i said it's like this aggressive like jump off 80 foot cliffs and try to die thing and like win competitions or whatever i was trying to accomplish at the time um like you said it's an art form in itself and it and it paints a picture and i'm here to bring something new to people's perspectives and help them feel something more beautiful because if i can you know and i'm sure you feel the same way if your mission is accomplished on Nine falling on nine hundred ninety nine thousand deaf ears, and one ear that hears it right and hears it properly and feels it the way that you feel it, then mission accomplished. And and that's what I try to do every day is 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 reach towards my life purpose. And that's A grade life for me. C grade is getting a job that, like I said, most people think is respectable and settling. And I, like I said, that, that not me. I can't do it. I refuse. I've I've felt where I wasn't supposed to be and I felt where I am supposed to be, I know the difference. And this is one thing. It's at the end of my bio, but it's more, it's a, it's a mantra of mine, but I, when I was, and I think you'll identify with this too. So I promise it's relevant and I'm sorry to hijack it, but I'm trying to feed off of what you just gave.
0: Right, man.
1: Um, when I was depressed and when I was suicidal and when I was in the peak of my addiction and before I even touched drugs, I was depressed and suicidal i went to bed every single night like i said i didn't often think about conventional suicide um in the sense of like hanging myself or shooting myself but i did not every day i thought about dying for 10 years almost and i went to bed hoping i would not wake up the next day i hoped i'd die in my sleep and my family would either fucking miss me or they wouldn't i was just excited for that i was hoping that i went to bed literally hoping i was not going to see tomorrow and I did that every day for 10 years almost, and somehow sort of came out of it alive, which is fascinating in itself and proof that there's something I'm here to do. Um, but more importantly, I, I lived that reality every day. I woke up and, you know, it's like I was living in black and white every day. And I woke up and I went to bed hoping I was not going to see tomorrow. And when I found what I found today and what I found over the last five years of recovery, I remember around the one year mark, I remember waking up one day and saying, I don't feel like dying today. For the first time, it, was, it wasn't it was like, a oh, this is a good day. It was like, this is the first real living day that I've had in almost 10 years. And it was surreal. And then the next day was that way. And pretty soon, you know, I pieced together a couple of months where I was happy to be here and I was excited to be here tomorrow. And now I'm at a point where, like I said, I don't sleep as much as I should because I can't wait to wake up to try something new. I can't wait to wake up and give give something an honest go or I can't wait to wake up and try and watch my daughter eat food and and do these things and I can't I I have a hard time going to bed at night because I'm so excited for tomorrow and to go from wanting to not see tomorrow to fighting myself to sleep so I can see tomorrow because I'm so excited is proof that I am somewhat going in the right direction. And I've strayed over the years and I've made mistakes, but I know what's important and I know what we're here to do. And I knew when I saw you and when I saw the message you carried that I was getting pointed in the direction I was supposed to go to.
0: Dude, can you say that again? You kind of broke up. I'm so oh, no. <laughs> it was so I know it was gonna be so good and then it just <laughs> out.
1: What uh what was the last thing you heard?
0: Like you need to start that story over. Okay. <laughs> Okay,
1: I'm so sorry. I should have. <laughs> the bad thing is I my camera's up here and my screen is over here and I wanna look at the camera so oh. not dissociating. Um, otherwise, I would have looked at you freaking out and I probably would have noticed. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I feel so bad. Um, I'll, I'll give you the condensed version because I don't wanna high road your podcast. Um, <laughs> I spent years of my life literally going to bed, hoping I was not going to see tomorrow. I hoped I would die in my sleep. I hoped I would overdose and choke on my vomit like the lead singer of ACDC. It didn't matter what, I did not want to be here for tomorrow. I didn't care about it. There was nothing appealing to me. I didn't care. I didn't care about, I I wanted people to miss me at best. That was the most I could hope for, is that when I died, someone would give a shit. Um, And I know that people would have. it looks like it came through loud and clear for someone. Yeah. On there. Well, uh, I didn't hear it. Well, I'm, well, I'm giving I it to you anyways. <laughs> uh, and I, now I can't wait to wake up the next day because I can't wait to do something new or try something special and do something right and and raise my daughter or to just make my wife feel special and loved and wanted and let her know that she matters or to meet someone on the street and have a two-minute conversation to make their day better. I can't wait to work on art or to ski just for the love of the game, not because I'm a competitor anymore, but to do it because I love it. There's so many things that I look forward to every single day where I'm depriving myself at sleep at this point because I can't wait to wake up tomorrow. And after knowing the side of not wanting to wake up for almost 10 years and knowing nothing else, until now knowing that I can't sleep because I can't wait to see tomorrow, there's no, there's no question that I'm somewhere close to where I'm supposed to be or at least working in the right direction. And when I meet people like you at events like New Dawn, I know that they're, you're you're my people. You're part of what I need to be a part of. We're part of something powerful and we're part of something that's going to bring forward the kind of quality of life and the kind of passion and drive and mission that the world needs. And And that sounds really weird to say that I'm bringing what the world needs because it, it, I like, that doesn't that just sounds like I'm giving myself a lot of credit I don't mean it that way I just mean I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people when I meet people like you and when I feel the way that I do every day now and I'm just I'm grateful for the network that continues to grow and I'm grateful for for people like yourself who confirm because I you know sometimes you do something for a while and you're like I hope this is right and then you see an indicator that it's the right thing and you're like oh Thank God. Thank God I'm doing the right thing. I wasn't sure for a really long time. And when I see people like you at New Dawn Event, and when I see people like you living their lives and running podcasts and doing these powerful things, it says, Yeah, no, you're you're doing it right, you're going the right direction. Um, and it's like, you know, it's trusting the process like we talked about earlier. It's like believing the compass when it says north is north. But after if you go north for so long and you're not seeing any signs that you're going the right direction, you start to say, Is this compass messed up? am I reading this wrong? Um, and then you see another guy walking north too, and you say, okay, I'm doing this right. And that's what I see is I see people like you and it's an indicator to me that I'm doing the right thing. And it's refreshing because you can get discouraged or tired trying to do something special like this. And I'm just so grateful for you doing that. And when you break out on, on a speech, like you did just a couple second minutes ago now, um, don't apologize to me and don't apologize to your audience because you're telling people that North is North right now. And there's that has unspoken value and it will continue to pay dividends. And I just want, I don't want you to apologize for that because it means the world to me and I'm sure it does to your audience.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, uh, I kind of lost my composure. <laughs> I, I'm an emotional guy to admit. I, um, I love, I, I, I love the reminders that I'm on the right path, but like sometimes they're far further between, you know, they, it takes a while. I don't know. And, and I care about it so much because my entire existence has been, my entire survival has been centered outside of God's grace. Has been this vision that I believed in that, hey, if I turn my life around, I, 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 I get to do this. Mm-hmm. And I've had that my entire life and, and, and now to see it start to take shape like one it, it proves to me that God is real and it proves to me that that moment in the jail cell for me that when I gave my life to Christ was real and it confirms all of it and because it confirms it it makes me want to do more mm-hmm it gives me the drive and the and keep seeking Him because it's working and it's clearing my path and it's making my life more enjoyable and and, and it's like all of these things it, it, it's encouraging to me like because honestly it's so much easier being a guy. <laughs> it it was a lot easier to give into that yeah. it was a lot easier to but also. Man, the pain. I don't. I'm not. I don't want that. I want what's been promised, and and it's and it's been an amazing experience. But you're right. We meet people and they come in our path at a certain time, and sometimes it's just to remind us that we're on the right path. It is sometimes because you don't, you don't have people that come into your life that stay into your life that are not where you're at in life. Because unhealthy people don't attract healthy people. You know, some people can get duped, but there's usually something else going on. Right? So it's confirming. And there's been so many little angels, like Facebook angels, that have come out of nowhere that have just become amazing supporters being able to kind of just say something that I really feel is coming from God saying, stay on that path you want to do this. You want to pay attention to this. And it's, and it's all like proving to be true. So I think God works through Facebook is the point of that message. God has Facebook. I think he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, listen, Andrew, um, such a blessing that you came on the show today. It really know, is. Thank me. you so much. Thank you so uh, much. I don't normally offer this. Um, but I, I also feel like there's so much more that we can talk about. Um, I'd love to, I hope that you have the ambition of getting on stages and speaking. Uh, you have a lot of wisdom. Um, I think your story, like the root of your story and getting into that will transform people's lives. Um, you're also because of your your artistic expressions and what you do in skiing and skateboarding and art um, Like there's, there's something there. And I I would love to see you on stages because I think people will find you captivating. And I think people will be drawn to you. And I I, I honestly think that you can take your message on the road. You're, you're, I hope to see you do that. You, you belong on stages as much as anyone else that's on the stage.
1: (laughs) I appreciate that. That's a dream. That's a, that's a dream and a bucket list item. So I don't know quite how to get there yet, but I'm sure God will put it in my lap when the time
0: comes. Well, we can talk about it off air, bro. Um, I don't charge for helping people. So listen, you have a blessed day. We'll talk soon.
1: Thank you. Much love, Josh. Thank you so, so much.
0: All right. God bless. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you, radio audience. Thank you, podcast audience. Of course, Facebook. You guys are so amazing. Um, I appreciate the support of the show. Uh, I got to be honest with you not having Facebook Live on uh, during filming of the TV version of Gratitude Unfiltered is a little nerve-wracking. I'm so used to talking to you guys. I don't even know. <laughs> I, I I honestly need a Facebook Live segment when I'm recording so I can just talk to you guys. It makes my life so much it more, like doing the show so much easier because I'm a creature of habit, like playing the music, doing that stuff. So my intros, have been a little goofy. Um, Emily, thank you for joining the show. Donna, uh, Trisha, good to see you. And Carol, This look, we that was amazing. I Andrew, you guys, if you're just joining the show, I'm gonna start a watch party here in a second. It's worth watching. It was really good. I do go off on a little rant. Um, but I, I wanna let you know too that I'm gonna start doing more solo shows. Um, I'm ready to start teaching i'm truthfully i'm i'm really done talking about my past in any kind of way like i have told my story it's out there i don't need to keep talking about it however i'm still going to i'm committed to bringing awareness and 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 and, and expo- shedding light on real issues as they happen but as far as i'm concerned i want to start teaching now it's time that the things that i learned i've been i study pretty much all day um God has provided in ways that have allowed me to be able to study, but it's been amazing. I don't have a job. I work private security sometimes. Uh, I have a couple of interesting deals happening, possibly, Um, but in the end, it's just been God has been providing in a dramatic way because I felt called to spend more time, like, seeking God and, and what's possible, and I'm seeing it, and I... Feel like I'm learning a lot, and I'm really ready to start. I'm ready to start teaching. Um, because I've overcome those things that were holding me back, and yeah, there's some things in process. Like I'm really want to talk about relationships. Um, you know, that's an area that I'm working on, but I'm I'm learning a lot through that because I've been doing a lot of my own studying and research because. Like i want to make this clear i have no history of success in relationships none i have no history of success yet um i have no like i don't have too many good memories when it comes to dating um and i have not been a good husband i was not a good boyfriend and you know for whether for various reasons throughout the course of my life and reason what I've learned so much being single Um, I've really learned what I value the most and you know I I know that I'm not where I want to be to be able to open myself to dating yet but at the same time I have been learning a lot about relationships because that's been an area of my life that I've struggled with and not just not just like boyfriend girlfriend stuff but even friendships it's so much easier for me to you know, to push people away and like really learning intimacy with boundaries and learning uh, boundaries in general. Um, you know, it's 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 an area that I get to keep working on and improving on because, you know, when you, you know when you, I don't know if any of you are like this, but if you have someone that, like, you have an idea of like what would be the perfect partner for you, right? And a lot of us settle. I I, I mean, it's not, when I say settle, sometimes you're not, just not in a good place. But then you meet somebody. Well, odds are they're not in a good place either. That's why you attracted them. That's why you have a toxic relationship and things get crazy. But I want to be the kind of man that is able to attract a woman that I look at and just with an awe and respect and humble and inspired and like, but I want to be the kind of man that attracts that kind of woman because I do want a family really bad. And I want to do it the right way. And I know I'm not the man yet to do that. And I get to work on that and I have been working on it and I'm obsessed about it, but I'm ready to start talking about, um, and teaching the things that I'm learning. And I've learned a lot, like I've learned a lot and will continue to learn a lot. And, um, yeah, cause I, it, I think it's part, it's important to do that because <clears throat> I've healed, you know, and it's important to show that you can heal from traumas. You can turn your life around. You can do the right thing. You can retrain triggers. You can make mental health, you know, a mental health, this mental health issues. You can make it mental health uh, uniqueness. Like those things are available. And so now it's time to start teaching like how, you know, I've been able to overcome. And I will tell you that it takes work. It takes work. But. When I made my decision to turn my life around, it was part, part of the, what helped It is a major factor. was that I was committed to doing the work and fell in love with doing the work and realizing that being on the other side of the, the shadow is the most comfortable, beautiful experience. It's, it's that's life, that's living. Being in the shadows is not living. That's where you go to die. Have a good night.